When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At Mark guy, he never respects the links I send him. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> notice I just saw at Mark pick. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Mark will take a look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, I just made it in the Hey everybody, welcome to episode 174 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, covered in snow, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I presume that Mark down in San Jose, California is not covered in snow. I am not covered in snow. <laughs> All right. All righty. So hey, Jaime, we have some uh, Ask FTJC. Why don't you start us off on that? Yes, this is from Dan Beauregard, who says, first impressions on Amazon Prime Video app for Apple TV. A bit of an awkward UI, rigid mm-hmm. scrolling, but love that they integrated with the TV app. Right. Yeah I, yeah, I have to agree, yeah. I didn't know that they did that and it, it kind of makes sense from their standpoint in that unlike Netflix who is uh, 100%, you know, doubling down on their, their own original content and their whole analytics um, have been sort of like their, their bread and butter of how they keep serving you up stuff. Amazon, even though they, they do both of those things, they also have a lot of stuff like, oh, look, you know, Wonder Woman, you can rent that for $5.99 or you can buy it for $19.99. You know, they mm-hmm. have tons of other content that they just want to sell. I don't think they feel quite as threatened in terms of being becoming yet another provider of content because that's right up their alley versus Netflix was like, no, 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 we don't, we don't want to ruin our experience to be commoditized. You, people come to our experience. That's interesting that Apple's letting them sell content directly on their app. I didn't realize, I didn't, that didn't think into me until you just said it. Because remember that was a big thing about the App Store, like with Audible, for instance, Audible used to have their own store inside the app. And as, as many people did when the app, when the iPhone and things like that first came out, iOS. And, um, Apple said you can't sell things. You have to sell if anything you want to sell content-wise. You should sell through iTunes. Um, and it's interesting that they're letting Amazon do this directly now, right? With their own rental and their own on their own platform on the Apple platform. I mean, right? Well, it was always the issue was always with uh, digital content, right? So you could yeah. buy Amazon Kindle books through their app. You had to go to the web to do it. Uh, this stuff, I guess, I don't know. Maybe it's a gray area. It's not really. I mean, it is digital content, 
of course, but it's not, I don't know. I, I don't know what distinguishes a, a video from a, from a book in terms of digital content. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just interesting that it's, I think the market has kind of evolved to the point where, where Apple, I think Apple's, you know, now in a position where they're making, you know, money on subscriptions and other services that they don't need to be pinching pennies, I guess, right? Yeah, for maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it draws more people to the platform than Amazon's app is on the, the platform as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I can talk about the, because I have the Amazon TV, I, on my TV, I have the Amazon app, but it's a web app, right? Um, it looks, uh, it, I posted a picture up on Twitter the other day because I took a picture of, because I don't understand what, what the fuss was about. We talked about this last week about the Amazon app um, on people were bashing it, saying it, it looked like a, like a web app. But compared to the web app I have on my television versus what's in the Apple TV, I would much rather watch it on the Apple TV. The, the, the menu is a lot more, looks a lot more like um, like Netflix, you know, in terms of like the rows of videos and things like that and you make lists and things. But um, like I could not have, like I am presented with a lot more content through the Amazon app than on the Apple TV than I am on the, on the web app, right? Hmm. Uh, it's almost like there's non-existent video there, right? Have you compared them at all, Mark? I haven't yet. No, right. I need to do that on my list for the holidays. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I haven't watched anything yet, but like, you know, like I'm, I'm the man from High Castle is like on my list of things to watch, right? And that kind of stuff. But uh, I've always found that, you know, the one or two movies that I've seen on, on the Amazon uh, app itself, Amazon Prime Video app, it's been not such a great experience that I would go back there for any reason. But uh, it's, it's much better now on the Apple TV for sure. So, oh, good. Yeah. So, anyway, that's good. Um, all right. So, moving on to our follow up. Uh, first story here is about Johnny Ive coming back to Apple. Um, like, I mean, to, to the technology side. I guess he was off doing the, the building. Is that where he was? Yeah. I think it was Apple Park as well as some um, holiday installations at wherever it was. Holiday installations? Yeah. Like, I, I think it was essentially a Christmas, you know, right. um, setup, but I don't think it was specifically Christmas, even though it pretty much was Christmas. So we're going to call it a holiday celebration. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I guess he's back uh, back in the fold as the uh, lead designer. He's been gone for a couple of years. No comment on that, Mark? To be honest, I didn't even know he left. Well, that's what I said. He's <laughs> gone. So that's what I said. I wonder what that means. Like, oh, I've, I've, on this very show, I've definitely blamed him for a lot of things that I assumed were him because they seemed like his mm-hmm. style. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they weren't. I really wish somebody had a, oh, Johnny didn't even touch this. And, oh, okay. Well, take it back. Let me, let me give you credit back, sir, because I've, I've used your name in, in vain and I should not have. Yeah. yeah. He's got you on a list now, I mean. So there's a couple of guys named Diane Haworth who served as a VPs under user des- user interface design and industrial design or pres- presumably groomed for to replace him at some point. I think those are the two guys that have been sort of um, running things. Yeah, I'm trying to find their names here. Where's that fact check guy we need? <laughs> oh, Alan Dye uh, was the new vice or is the new vice president of user interface design. This is, oh, sorry, this is from 2015 when they announced that the, I guess I was leaving. And Richard Haworth, uh, vice president of industrial design. They took over for the last couple of years. But here I'll read from the what it says in the transcript. This is uh, Tim Cook speaking. Uh, Richard, Alan, and Johnny have been working together as colleagues and friends and for many years. Richard has been a member of the new design for, team for two decades. And in that time, he has been a key contributor to the design of each generation of iPhone, Mac, and uh, practically every other Apple product. Alan started at Apple nine years ago on the Marcom team and helped Johnny Ive build the UI team, which collaborated with ID, software engineering, and countless other groups, groundbreaking projects like iOS 7, iOS 8, and Apple Watch. So I guess the three the three are back together again, but it doesn't say specifically what um, anything more about it than that. But like Mark and I said, we didn't even know he was gone. Yeah. Okay, so um, story out of, um, I think I found this on LinkedIn from Reuters uh, yesterday that um, Tom 
Comcast apparently was also looking at buying Fox. Were we talking about this on more than just code? No, the reason <laughs> I chuckle, the reason you're thinking <laughs> about this is because we covered the other half of this on Spockcast, where we were very excited right. about the possibility of Disney owning Fox and bringing all of the uh, Marvel characters back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, th- and this is this story is about the fact that Comcast, who we've talked about on this show as being your largest cable provider, I guess, or I guess is that what you call them, internet providers, um, were in the running to, or they thought they were in the running to to uh, attempt to buy Fox, but uh, apparently um, Disney's outbid them because so, apparently they can't afford it. And that's that story there. Um, did you guys have a look at this Wired Wired article at all? Not seen the article, but I think I heard some of the headlines. Sure. So um, they were talking about AI uh, and a gentleman at Apple named Ruslan Salahutdinov addressed roughly 200 AI experts um, posted by Apple talking about how Apple is using AI to um, identify objects on the road, um, other cars, you know, scan the, scan the, the environs and that kind of stuff and, and clearly like leading towards some sort of uh, car project which we've been talking about. So there's still hope for your 16 gig white Apple car, Jaime. Um, <laughs> yeah, so just a quick little follow up there on the fact. So we'll link li- show notes here for people who are interested in following up on the story about Apple and how they're using 3D scanners and LIDARs and for auton- on autonomous vehicles at some point in somebody's future, right? Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting to me is that Apple feels like kind of a wild card in this game. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. there's many others like Waymo and I guess Google Waymo and Uber and, and others getting into this game. Um, Apple is kind of a wild card in my opinion because they're just so ridiculously wealthy that they can not only do their own really, you know, cool research and come up with their own stuff, but they can also just afford to go buy stuff. Thinking of an analogy of like they just went and bought the technology for uh, Face ID or a, a component of it, I should say, right? For the Prime Sense folks that they bought to do the uh, infrared mapping technology, that sensor technology. So I think it's pretty kind of exciting to see Apple jump into this because they, they can not only buy the technology, but they can also afford to make it affordable, if that makes sense. That so they can say, well, we're going to have, you know, X million widgets of this thing that we want to buy, which brings a manufacturing cost down, which means that it will trickle out to other things. So I feel like they will help democratize a particular bit of technology in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a link back here to um, uh, issue number eight on the machine Apple Machine Learning Journal, which we talked about on the show before. Uh, this is learning with privacy at scale. Uh, just a bunch of st- articles here on uh, Apple's uh, forays into machine learning uh, around the you know various projects they're working on. So there's all eight issues here on this link that I'll put in the show notes as well. All right. And uh, I read an article this afternoon on... Uh, um, Wired Magazine or Wired.com uh, about the various security stumbles that we've been talking about on the show with Apple, most notably the the root um, uh, blank and null password that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that uh, recommended everybody update their machines for, except for Jaime, who stayed behind on Sierra. But there's been a number of them, actually, that uh, we've played this article recounts. Um, you know, iOS 11 having the um, letter I uh, autocorrecting to a capital A. There was a, an iOS 11 issue with uh, HomeKit vulnerability where people were able to get in. It wasn't easy to get into, but still people were able, there was an exploit available for HomeKit. And of course, the article questions the same thing we've been saying, that, that it just seems that there seems to be a problem with Apple 
people's ability to QA their own work, right? Either they're not paying attention or it's uh, too big a beast to try and control, right? Oh, and what's most notably, though, um, friend of the show, Marin Todorov, is quoted in this article. So he says, I stopped using Apple's latest software some time ago. I always keep a couple of versions behind. That works okay, says Marin Todorov, longtime iOS developer. I hope alarms are going off at Apple headquarters because they seem to be losing grip on their user experience and software quality. So when we say our buddy. a couple of versions, do we mean minor versions? Like if iOS no, 11.2 he, is the latest, he's probably, iOS 11? He's probably talking about, yeah, he's probably talking about like he's probably on Sierra or or even what was before Sierra, El Capitan, um, and maybe also, you know, iOS 10 instead of iOS 11. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just not, he's not just pushing update for the sake of updating, right? So, and that seems to be a, a wise move these days, right? So Malwarebytes, uh, the, uh, the, um, one of the guys from Malwarebytes has got a few things to say on this article about, about that because they're those are the guys that keep track of um, you know various software exploits that are available in Windows and things like that as well, right? It's so weird because it's not as if Apple is generally bad at security. Let's let's not. No, they're very good at it. Like they have wildly sophisticated stuff. Like nobody's going to crack some of the main pieces, right? Um, they're they're a huge leader in that. What feels to me where they've stumbled is I think I said it in a previous episode that it's on the sort of things where they're getting stretched too thin for something. Um, possibly you know people say well they're moving too fast they don't need to release every year i'm like well i, I still don't really think that's the problem because they're the yes having a yearly cycle increases you know the time pressure because they've yeah. broadened the, the the amount of services and software that they have to support but i i still feel like given their size that's kind of solvable by money you know if uh easily you know, uh, yeah easily solvable by, mon- by money yeah i mean if like okay well you know we don't want to give away all the cool secrets of, of and we still want to have surprises and stuff great you know who gets to test you know file vault some other company <laughs> Because that's nobody cares about that in terms of like, oh wow, can you believe Apple updated File Vault? Oh, that's the big secret of WWDC. Like, no, okay, great. You know, just you know, buy a bunch of testers or outsource that part of it to somebody you trust or, or whatever. It feels like it's really solvable there, so that they, while they have all of their attention on Face ID and Touch ID and Secure Enclave and all sorts of really cool stuff, I feel like they can still handle these other things, even if it's by proxy through agents. Yeah, so you're saying outsource the the, the services, the QA, and all that kind of stuff. Well, n- not all of it. I mean. To, I think to clarify a little bit, I mean, just on the things that um, that are not either not their bread and butter or that are kind of more in maintenance mode, right? It's like, oh, who gets to test whether you know, like root and a blank password works on macOS? Guess what? You don't really need to uh, to have like your top notch testers testing that. You can have you know the junior ones testing that sort of thing, or you can automate those tests. And well, maybe they do have the junior ones testing some of that stuff, and that's why the stuff is slipping through. <laughs> yeah, that, that's entirely. <laughs> Yeah, but somebody's got to be in control here. Yeah. You know? But as you know, uh, they, they say in the article here, clearly something's going on there. Defies explanation as a coincidence at this point. Um, that's Thomas Reed from Malware Bytes Labs. Um, yeah, it's 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 concerning. I mean, you know, given that you know we've we've never really had to worry too much about Apple in general. You know, uh, the Mac's always been a pretty secure system. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, Jaime, you got some uh, news that uh, just got announced at Apple. Yeah, um, it's kind of awkward because by the time this episode comes out, it'll feel kind of weird, but Apple has announced that the iMac Pro will be available starting Thursday. It's a 
of this recording. It is Wednesday. By the time this episode comes out, it will already be available. So joy, joy to you. You can you can go buy one while you're listening to this episode. Uh, <laughs> base price, of course, starts at $4,999 US. Um, they've been seeding out to various people like Cable Sasser of uh, Panic and a few other people whose names escape me. Sounds like pretty exciting hardware. The the big knock on it, if uh, if we can call it that, is that it's it's absolutely not upgradable in any way. I mean, this is this is an iMac for heaven's sake. Like if you want upgradable hardware, you probably want to wait for the Mac Pro. But if you really love the uh, the form factor of the iMac, or you're like, hey, I'm just going to max this thing out, and once it stops meeting my needs, I'm just going to buy the 2018 or the 2019 or whatever it is edition that you decide meets. Sounds like this does pretty well for the sorts of things that would require the horsepower that the GPUs provide, right? So if you're doing a lot of um, 3D modeling, 3D rendering, um, Swift compiling probably <laughs> works better on this if you turn on the uh, right. concurrency mode for that stuff that we talked about in previous episodes. Seems nice. It, it's pricey. I'm, I'm not going to get one for myself because I think it's overkill for my needs, but I think if people have the need, it's it's out there. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a, It seems like a real nice machine, and I probably won't buy one either because it's probably overkill for what I'm doing these days. But if you're editing video or, or doing any any real advanced computation-intensive work, then it could be a real real great thing. Yeah, it's pretty pricey. I mean, you know, when, when you look at performance you get from equipment these days, I guess the Mac Pro is kind of, sorry, the MacBook Pro is probably the, the high horsepower choice people would go to. But even those, I mean, the logic boards and those are now all, everything's soldered on the board. You know, the memory, the like the SSD drive is soldered onto the board as well, just like an iPad. So we've had a couple go into service recently and, and the whole logic board gets replaced, right? So hope you had that data backed up, you know? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting with this all-in-one design, but uh, it'd be nice to sure would be nice to have some, some good horsepower. This is a Xeon processor, I believe, too, right? It's not the i7s? You guys know I think yeah, that's right, but I didn't double check. Over here, link to a really high-end spec. What does this say? Yeah, I'm still waiting for the, the Mac Pro to come out. Not the iMac Pro, the actual Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. The new one. Hopefully there'll be a, a rack-mounted version once again, like they used to have. I don't have right, high hopes right. for that, but it would be real nice for that to have that. Right, right. So according to this uh, article here, it's an 8-core Xeon processor with con- configurations that scale up to 18-core Xeon processors, 5K display, and an all-new AMD Radeon Vega GPU. You can also shell out for between 16 gig of VRAM or 128 gigabytes of data, corruption-protected ECC RAM, and a 4 terabyte SSD storage. But as you said, Jaime, it's not upgradable once you've once you've made your purchase decision? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're like the iFixit type where you're willing to you know, pull apart, you know, glued on components and other things, and you're willing to solder things back together, sure, but it's it's not user serviceable, like, you know, I don't know, I can't even say Macs nowadays because they're, they're really more appliances, like, like old school computers, like, oh, I need some more RAM, great, let me just pop this thing open, toss in some new DIMM chips and call it good. Um, no, you're, you're probably going to want to just buy a little bit beyond what you normally would or, or max it out if you have the, um, the luxury of doing so. Um, or doing like Mark and waiting for the actual Mac Pro, which you can upgrade yourself, presumably. That's true, but the Mac Pros generally that have been out for the last few years are, are pretty disappointing based on what they're what you pay for them and, and what you get out of them. Is that not true? Well, certainly now the Mac Pro is disappointing because it, it's pretty old. When it first came out, it wasn't too bad, but they right, yeah. they never refreshed it, right? So it right, yeah, yeah. Soon was out of date. But you'd think now with the with the big emphasis on things like machine learning and and you know three uh, D modeling, like you might need for AR kit and things like that, uh, that the need for this kind of stuff really really has gone through the roof. I mean, multiple cores are perfect for training machine learning models. Uh, so you'd think that Apple would would uh, want to put out a product to to address that. And it seems like the Mac Pro, like I 
said, a, a, a rack uh, mounted you know version for a server room would be perfect for that. But we'll see. Yeah, it's true. I think Apple's decided that they're out of the enterprise market, so they're not going to go after those rack mounts. You know? Yeah, it's so, too bad. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, the next story here is uh, I don't know if you probably heard it, but uh, the rumor. By the time I pick up these stories, uh, it has come to pass that Apple has bought Shazam, which is a music recogni- recognition software that's been around since around 2002, I believe, uh, long before the, I- the iPhone ever came around. Uh, originally started out as a service in Britain where you could call up uh, a certain number and hold your, your phone or your cell phone up to a song and it would identify it. So I think the, the real purchase here is Apple's buying a big music database. Um, I think they forget what they said they were paying, $400 million, I think. Um, there's a couple of links here in a couple of articles I linked in here. One, one is kind of wondering why Apple would buy them Shazam because Shazam hasn't been doing that great lately. But I think the thought was that it competes against um, Spotify. Is it Spotify? The ones Spotify is the music one, right? Yeah. Yes, music streaming. Yeah, so it competes against Spotify, who has a huge, uh, huge database as well of, of music, right? And Apple's clearly, you know, they've been trying to get behind uh, with Apple Music coming out uh, a year and a half ago or whatever, right? Yeah, I guess. Wow, has it been that long? Yeah, I guess it has been that long. Yeah, nearly, yeah. nearly two years now, probably if not already. Mm-hmm. For, for Apple Music, I mean, right? Yeah, just reading, reading here that um, in, the, in the first article that uh, let's see, yeah, four hundred million. Um, but there's an interesting start article here based on uh, one written by the um, Washington Post, but I saw it today in the in the Toronto Star about um, you know, the fact that Shazam hasn't really been doing that great lately. I don't know what that means, but uh, oh, because as a as an app, I mean, it's basically dropped to like uh, ninety two uh, on the App Store. Um, didn't even crack the top one hundred apps in the in the Google Play Store. So it's clearly about buying the database. I think that's the, the main reason why Apple would go after these guys, right? Yeah, this is where I read the part about the uh, original app coming out in 2002 in the UK. It was a pretty cool app. I mean, I, I still use it to this day. Like, I don't know if, if you guys use Shazam much, but, you know, you hear a song on the radio, you want to know what it is, and you, so you link it in Shazam, and it keeps keeps track of all the, the songs you've ever tried to listen to or try to recognize. It doesn't work on live music, but it works on uh, recorded music pretty well. Like, you know, just uh, whether it's, it doesn't matter what genre of music it is, it kind of can pick it out and tell you who the artist was is and what uh, song they're playing. You guys use the app at all? or Yeah, I use it all the time. Well, not all the time, but a lot. Yeah, well, frequently, right? Yeah. So I'm different. I don't use it at all. Um, I do use Shazam because Siri's music recognition powers are powered by Shazam. Um, oh, are they really? Yeah. So I'm kind of not surprised that the app wasn't doing too well. It's like, for me, uh, for my use case, so it sounds like you two are probably collecting your music in some sort of way, um, or at least hanging on to it. Uh, my needs are, are very much in the moment. Oh, what's this song they're playing? Siri, what's this song? Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> now I know what it is. I can just you know, go buy it on iTunes immediately or uh, right. do a playlist on Apple Music or that sort of thing. Like I'm not keeping any sort of historical aspects of it. So the Shazam integration with Siri worked fantastically for my use case. Hmm. I didn't know. Was, I didn't know Shazam, uh, that Siri could recognize music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm guessing that was probably a big part of uh, acquiring Shazam. It's a little unclear to me specifically why they acquired versus just continuing the business relationship. It sounds like mm-hmm. there was either something that um, threatened that relationship. Like I don't know, maybe somebody was going to acquire Shazam, and Apple's like, well, we can't, we can't lose that capability in Siri. That would be terrible. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Or, like what happened to Google Maps? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or given the way that they're bringing out the HomePod, and that's of course going to have Siri that's integration true. and music is a big part of it. Maybe they were held back by the fact that, like, you know what? Wouldn't it be easier to just bring them in, in, you know, in house and have them powering Siri as part of the Siri team? Right. That's an interesting thing. I just want to take a sidebar here for a second here. So, um, during the whole Black Friday thing and uh, sort of the Google rollout here in Toronto, in Canada, the Google Home that is right. They're, they're I think retail 
retail. They're 159 Canadian and they've been selling them off, or sorry, 179 Canadian. And they've been selling them for like $40 off for the last couple of weeks because I guess Black Friday. And they're pretty much sold out here in Canada. If you wanted to try and pick one up for Christmas, they're pretty much gone. There, there are places, pockets of people that have, have um, ordered them. But compare that to what does the, what's the HomePod supposed to come out at? 239 or something US? 399 US. 399 So $400 US, which trends, well, that'll be around $500 Canadian by the time it gets out of here. Um, what do you think about the Google Home being priced where it is? Uh, a friend of mine just did, gave me a demo of his his Google Home uh, the other day over the phone. Um, and that was pretty impressive. Like he you know, could ask the Google Home device all kinds of questions. And of course, you know, I've got the whole Google database backing it up and, you know, automating his home and stuff like that, integrating with his Nest thermostat, things like that. So what do you think about Google's positioning versus Apple's HomePod? It's hard to say. We really haven't seen HomePod yet. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't used Google Home, so so I have no knowledge of any of this. Yeah, well, Jaime's got a Google Home, but um, I, I know he's a big Alexis fan, but um, Alexa fan, I should say. But um, what uh, what do you think, Jaime? What do you think about that? It, it, it's kind of difficult to compare without having the HomePod in hand. But from what I can tell, um, what angle do we want to take this at? So let's, let's disregard the virtual assistants themselves, because that's like sure. a whole topic in and of itself. Let's just talk about like the devices that go through it. Um, the home, and just for those to clarify, I mean, the traditional classic home, the one that looks kind of like, in, was it like a Glade plug-in sort of thing? It kind of looks like a, like a votive candle sort of shape. Um, that device has better audio than something like the Echo Dot, and the Dot being the smallest, or one of the smallest yeah, Amazon Google Echoes. Mini, the Google Mini thing, the little puck? Not the Mini, so that's why it gets confusing. So oh. <laughs> I have not seen the, the Mini in action. I assume its audio qualities are roughly comparable to an Echo Dot, given they're both 45-ish yeah, dollars yeah, US yeah. for them. And then you upgrade to the competitor. The main competitors are the Amazon Echo and the Google Home, who have probably roughly comparable audio. And then you step up to something like, um, I guess Amazon doesn't have a direct um, a direct option here. They don't have a Sonos speaker quality device, um, even though there are Sonos speakers that do have Alexa integration. The Google Home... Sorry, Mac, sure. Oh, look at that. I triggered it. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Google Home Max, if I'm not mistaken, the one that's, I think it's 359 or 399 US. Mm. That sort of Sonos speaker, you know, caliber of device right. that I think competes more directly with the HomePod. So that to me is kind of interesting as a one-to-one comparison. Again, just for the uh, audio quality experience. Uh, virtual assistants, of course, are going to be like their own topic. And then the other thing to me is Amazon is well ahead of the game in terms of offering an Echo related device in darn near everything, right? Like even to some extent, cases that I don't fully understand myself because I don't own some of these devices. Google's a little bit behind, but trying to catch up. They've got the Home, they've got the Mini, they've got mm-hmm. the Mac, so they're starting to broaden out their set. And here we are bringing up the rear as Apple with one and only one device. So uh, mm-hmm. as great as the, the HomePod sounds for its particular niche, I'm hoping that they also broaden the family a little bit and have a Mini or Micro or whatever, and maybe a mid-range one as well that aren't quite as focused on the higher fidelity audio and are just more focused on home automation or or even just sort of so-so audio. You know, like if I'm washing dishes, probably don't need the greatest audio because I can't hear half of the tones anyways because it's drowned out by the running water. Yeah. I just need sort of like, hey, like play some Mozart. Okay, great. I'm abused. Yeah, I kind of wonder, I just I wonder if the HomePod will end up being like the Betamax of video, right? By the time they hit the street, they'll be, you know, so high fidelity that, you know, the market will have moved on. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I think I've said on Twitter that like strategically, it's a little bit weird to me because when I look at the smart speaker sort of problem from a, like if I was a 
a large company standpoint, what would I do? Um, how do I state this? I don't want to trivialize it because I'm not saying it's an easy problem, but I think audio quality is the one problem you can actually literally solve with money, right? If you're, mm. if you're, you know, I'm ABC company. Okay. Well, can I spend money to just get a great virtual system? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, how am I going to compete with Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Apple? That's really tough. Really, really tough. Right. Tons yeah. of data, tons of really good algorithms, tons of stuff that goes into it. Hey, I want to make a really good speaker. Oh, do I have enough money to license something from Sonos? Great. Do I have enough money to literally buy Sonos? Like if I'm Apple? Great. Like, again, not an easy, trivial problem. There's a real good reason why Sonos continues like, to exist as a company and they make really good products. But I feel like it was the one area where if you were going to step into this, you wouldn't start there because you go, oh, we can always fast follow with that. We can always license or partner or buy that technology if we need it. Mm, yeah, well, we'll have to see. Wait and see. When so the, And it's been delayed till January, right? The HomePod? I don't know that they said a specific date, just not in 2017. Right, right. Okay, okay. Right. Well, the next uh, story here is about um, Apple has given developers the ability to have pre-orders of their apps, which is, I guess, interesting if you're linking, If sorry, if you're um, launching a new app uh, that's being developed, you can, um, I guess, in the same way that uh, movies that come out on Blu-ray or books that are coming out, um, or even, I guess, video games do this too, right? Where you can buy a video game knowing it's coming out you know, on a certain particular date. You can spend the money and buy it and get, you know, advanced, you know, points and rewards and things before they come out. So they're offering this to app developers to allow us to have pre-orders, which I guess is a good thing because it could fund a developer if it's a, if it's a good enough idea, right? Um, help with the last sort of push towards marketing. What do you, what do you think about this? It's an interesting idea. It's hard to imagine that, that uh, you could raise enough money through pre-orders yeah. to, to fund That's yourself. But, but it would be, it would be great if you could. It's sort of a mini Kickstarter kind of thing, right? Yeah, I suppose that may be what, part of what it is too. I mean, of course, Apple sort of gets 30% of that too, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I can say just from a single data point that my best performing app ever was mm-hmm. uh, was Look Again. And that one was the one that I really did a lot of pre-release advertising and pushing. Was, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and it seemed to work. So maybe there was... Oh, you did do a lot? You did do a lot? Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously yeah. not through Apple because it wasn't available at the time, but right. through right. various blogs and websites and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah. And it, and like I said, it seemed to work a lot. So, and it so you had like a list of people waiting for the app to launch kind of thing or? Well, no, I didn't, I didn't keep track of who was waiting uh, because right. it, it didn't really do you any good anyway to have that list at the time. But just by, by building demand, by, by, you know, talking about it beforehand. Right. Right. And, and of course that led to Apple noticing it and, uh, and hmm. featuring it on the, on the front page of the app store. So uh, there is something to getting the word out early. Right. I'm going to split my response between two halves, the developer half and the user half. And okay. spoilers, I think it's great for everybody. Um, <laughs> I think Mark's right on for the developer half. Let's go with that one because it, it, it's very similar to what Mark said, that, that uh, this gives you another avenue to have people be aware of your app. Because before this, it was like, okay, you're either going to have to do a lot of marketing up front and just like hope that everybody remembers that December 17th is the day that my fantastic new app comes out. Hope you get into the right crowd and that you've you know, done all the legwork. You still have to do that. I'm not going to say you don't. But now you have an additional tool where people say, yeah, I think that sounds like a pretty good idea. I want this ABC app. Okay, great. You know, sign up for it and or pre-order it and you will have it when it becomes available, right? Um, I think that's that's good for everybody. It's, it's hard to see downsides from the developer side and especially because it's limited to um, no more than 90 days in the future. So it sort of avoids the incentive to, to turn it into a, a Kickstarter scam sort of thing, which is the thing I was worried about when I heard 
about it, which might be a nice segue into the user side, where as a user, I also kind of don't want to have to remember that, oh yeah, there was a Verge article about that ABC app. I better remember that it comes out this day, or I hope I'm paying attention when um, when the follow-up article says, oh, by the way, it actually is available now. Instead of just sign up for it for the App Store or plunk my money down and, and get some sort of deal on, um, uh, you know, like you're one of the early adopters sort of thing that you can do the, the sales benefits, right? That, that kind of crosses both developer and user side. So I mean, I'm not going to say there aren't going to be ways that people will find interesting loopholes Then sure we'll get very angry about it, probably talk about it on the show, but hopefully Apple will close up whatever those end up being. But I, I think this is generally pretty positive for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, I guess we're at the, the roundup here. We're at the pick Picorama section of the show, right? Sure. Are we? Mm-hmm. That was pretty quick. Okay. So, honey, what do you got for us this week? This is more of an awareness pick, I guess, because I've, I've not actually used this. This is Turi Create. Um, Turi is a company from the Seattle area that Apple acquired and they do or did, I guess, a lot of AI machine learning related stuff. And I have no idea what they happen to do with Apple at the moment, but um, I'm sure that's the reason why Apple acquired them. And hmm. they've open sourced, uh, or I guess Apple has open sourced Turi Create, which uh, on the tin here proclaims to simplify the development of custom machine learning models. Um, so they show an example of an image classifier, creating an image classifier with a few lines of code. Um, looks like it's a Python based tool, as I would kind of expect, because that seems to be the lingua franca of uh, machine learning tools. Uh, supports uh, macOS, Linux with glibc as a requirement and Windows 10 via WSL, which I have no idea what that is. It's probably like a bash <laughs> integration related thing. But if you're listening and you're on this show, listening to the show and you're a Windows 10 user, uh, hit us up that one because I don't know what that is. It seems pretty cool because it seems like, uh, I mean, if I look at the example here where it's like, all right, load some data, uh, create a model, make some predictions. It looks kind of in the vein of the way that CoreML is really helping to make the, not the classification side, but the um, inference side of, of machine learning so much easier to use than it than it was before. So this seems pretty exciting. Looks like All WSL right. stands for Windows Subsystem for Linux. Uh, there we go. Compatibility hmm. layer for running Linux binary executables natively on Windows 10. Okay, that makes that makes sense because they do have Bash integration on Windows 10. So that's probably how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, my pick is I'm always a sucker for analog synthesizers, and I was st- I stumbled across this one, and I forget where the link was on maybe Facebook. I'm not sure, but it talked about a free um, frequency modulator FM player classic DX synth, and basically what it is is this company has put together a um, a series of uh, like a free synth player for for your uh, your iPad that emulates the popular sounds of the 80s and 70s and 80s synthesizers of the you know, the Yamaha DX line of of uh, synthesizers and so it's a fun little tool you can play around with it's got a you know couple of octave keyboard um, and some point and click kind of uh, adjustments uh, a couple of um, you know uh, attack delay hold that kind of stuff uh, different oscillators and simple things and and super easy to sort of play around with it. You want to just get sort of um, some sounds out of it. The thing is though, I'm just, uh, it's not just about um, this player because when you dig it a little bit into the, under the hood, um, it's built with a tool called Audio Kit, which is um, by the same company. And not only is is uh, it a cool free synthesizer here, because I'm kind of scratching my head, why would these guys do this for free when most music uh, MIDI capable music synthesizers, I, yeah, I forgot to mention it's also MIDI capable, um, charge a few dollars for these. They're not normally cheap apps. Well, it turns out the Audio Kit and Audio Kit Pro is a free kit that you can use to build music apps. In other words, apps to produce music. And 
And uh, there's been a number of, there's even a tutorial on raywonderlick.com I found late in the in the exploration of this, but you can download this software. There's a, if you go to the web, follow the website to audiokitpro.com, um, they have uh, demonstrations of how you can, um, they've got a little tutorial in here on how you can build your own kit. So they give you all the tools and they've open sourced the software that, or the, the you know, the, the knobs and the keyboards and all that kind of stuff. They've open sourced all of that. So you can actually create your own synthesizer app and put it up on the app store, presumably. And it, it's interesting in the number of um, apps that are, uh, have used audio kit in production of their, of their, their softwares. One is notably our favorite app in the world, a black box by um, Brian, Ryan McLeod. Another one, Jer- uh, karaoke game, a pitch ops is a few is a, a link to even more apps that have used this framework within their apps. Uh, quite a few of them actually. And there's a whole, but all series of videos in here about uh, apps that have used um, this kit, this audio kit builder app. So that's my pick is this week is these fine folks over at audio kit pro that not only produced a free synthesizer, but have also given us all the building blocks to basically create our own uh, software app that use music as the main, the main reason for, for doing it. So something that might interest Mark, something that interests me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that. So that's my pick. Yeah, I actually, I actually uh, played with audio kit a, a while back, probably at least a mm-hmm. year ago. And it was, it was pr- a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, but just kind of tried it out and gave it a spin and, and uh, always meant to go back to it and do more with it, but just never found the time. Yeah. I, I don't know how I, you know, being on the team at Ray Wonder, like I, I missed the audio kit tutorial because like, we get a tutorial every day from those guys and it's really hard to keep up to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, just trying to find the link here for the tutorial. Mark, I've not done blog. much with audio. I am aware that core audio can be messy and that they added stuff to AV Fund. <laughs> I think that was easier to use, but less sophisticated, I think. Um, and you talk about those sort of three things, audio kit, core audio, and uh, the AV Foundation audio side of things. Like comparing contrast, like 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 what what's the what's the like the reason that this exists? Like I'm sure there is a really good reason. I can kind of guess, but oh, I, yeah, yeah. so yeah, so core audio, of course, is the is the lowest level one, right? If you want to get mm-hmm. down to the, it's it's kind of the equivalent of doing something in in OpenGL or Metal for graphics, but you do that for audio. You can use core audio for that. Uh, although there are you know there are some higher level uh, pieces on top of that. Uh, audio uh, AV Foundation is is even higher level than that. It's it's uh, uh, it's like got an AV player, AV recorder, which are very very high level. You don't need to know too much about the underlying mechanism of, of how, how it works with the hardware or you don't have to know anything about uh, you know waveforms or anything like that uh, you mm-hmm. can just say record or playback and, and it just does it uh, with core audio you need to know a little bit more you need to know about the data structures and 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 how things are wired up and audio kit uh, was even more higher level than that you could it, instead of instead of um, just having a player or a recorder you can you can have a thing that's just a, a waveform source uh, right. and you can connect it up to player or something like that and and add effects and 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 things very easily so uh so yeah so if you, if you want if you want to just have just very very general purpose audio inside your app then probably av foundation is is fine for that uh if you're if you're trying to build an app that processes audio or real time or or synthesizes stuff and well maybe more of the processing audio real time uh and you really need high latent uh low latency for that uh then core audio is the way 
way to go. And if you're mm-hmm. trying to synthesize things or, or just build sort of uh, a, a, a higher level um, audio product, then AudioKit can help you out to do that. I think Core Audio can do everything that AudioKit does, but it's always a trade-off of uh, you know how much how much of the work do you want to do yourself? How, down, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So here's some highlights <laughs> on their blog. So they've got a Game Boy sound emulator built with AudioKit. Sorry about that. Um, this karaoke game, awesome karaoke game by Singon built with AudioKit. Um, Snoog Music and Snoog Scratch built by AudioKit. Learn how to play piano by Scoove, which is another app built with AudioKit. A free theremin app built with AudioKit, which is kind of interesting. Um, of course, Black Box. Um, he, used, uh, he used the sound generation to create the sounds within the game. Um, so, you know, when you're playing, in, I, I usually play the game with the sound off, but uh, if you play with the game, this you know, every time you go down a layer, it, it makes a little sound and sound, sound is a big part of that app as well. Um, so I, I've talked about um, PD, which is a very low level um, language for creating sound uh, in the past. Um, was one of my picks from before. Um, oh, there was even a talk at 360i Dev, Jaime, that we missed. Is that from this year? Build your own custom musical instrument. This is one of the talks I wanted to go to, but I think we were... <laughs> we were going to talk. <laughs> I think, yeah, that was at our at the time of our talk. So his talk is listed here as well. So quite a few things. Like I'm, I'm always been interested in, in you know, I, I like, I like uh, analog synthesizers. I, you know, I kind of lust after them and but they're like, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So when I can buy like a, a an app that's, you know, 30 or $40 that does the same thing as like a $3,000 analog synthesizer, I'm, I'm, I tend to go that way. So um, I think it's just cool. I mean, you know, lots of fun to play with and, you know, pretend that you're Edgar Winter for a few hours, you know, <laughs> obscure reference that only Mark gets. Yeah. Um, all right. So, and my, or, my last pick here, sorry. I was going to say, or even uh, Walter Carlos, right? Or, or uh, Keith Emerson. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or Getty Lee. Um, <laughs> so my last pick was here is this sort of an interesting thing. I didn't realize, so I, we talked about, and this is sort of follow-up too, we talked about Ethereum and we talked about Bitcoin a while back. We were talking about blockchain technologies and Bitcoin and that kind of stuff and how they're related to each other. Um, I didn't realize that when we were talking about Bitcoin a couple of weeks ago, remember Bitcoin was about $5,000? Yeah, it's now right? close to $20,000. 20000 So at that time, a couple of days after that episode, I went and, because I already had set up my, my account through Coinbase, which is my pick here. Um, it's a UK company, and they had finally figured out how I could use my Canadian bank to buy uh, to buy Bitcoin. So I, I bought $20 worth of Bitcoin. And, and so after last weekend's, you know, kind of explosion, that $20 worth of Bitcoin is now worth $140. Right? Right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so anyway, Coinbase... Huh? You're buying the beers next time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll wait and see if the bubble will burst by the time I get there. Because that's the other thing I hear is this, the bubble's going to burst, right? But I had no idea that, that until Carol mentioned it to me the other day. So Coinbase is an app that I use to to manage my wallet and also to it also gives you um, reports on how the price of um, bit uh, sorry how the price of Bitcoin is doing right now. Let me see if I can get Coinbase here. Oh, it's still open here, and it uses that um, uh, Authy technology to log me in as well. Yeah. So um, let's see. I made thirty dollars last night since I last looked at this. Yeah, so Bitcoin is now at twenty one thousand dollars. I bought some Ethereum there uh, to keep Jaime happy as well. Um, so it's at nine sixty one. I think when we talked about it, it was around three hundred dollars too. So everything's kind of going through the roof right now with this Ethereum stuff or with uh, with Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So I bought twenty dollars worth of, of of Ethereum and it's now worth fifty two, Jaime. Wow. And so I bought. Um, Are you going to get into Litecoin as well? That's the one that was. Well, this, uh, it's also available. LC there's LTC wallet. I don't know about that one. I keep hearing about new coins every every uh, couple of days.
days, right? Um, so yeah, so I have $170 US in, uh, no, sorry, $170 Canadian in, which is what, 50 bucks can- American, right? Um, so $170 Canadian in Bitcoin and I bought back in, when was this purchase done? So August 3rd, I guess it was on August when we were talking about that. I bought um, $20 worth of Bitcoin and then I bought another $50 the other day. So, which kind of throws my numbers off. But yeah, so it's, uh, hey, I'm going to ride the wave. Yeah. <laughs> not that we're necessarily recommending that anyone buy no, Bitcoin. No, we're uh, not. We're not. What's the could, disclaimer time, Jaime? Yeah, I was going to say, thankfully, Mark covered it. <laughs> Talk to, so your, talk to your financial advisor or your tax advisor yeah. before. We're not lawyers or financial advisors or whatever. Yeah, right. I don't know what I can do with this Bitcoin, but mind you, I can I can pay people for things on PayPal with Bitcoin and some software developers are accepting Bitcoin and who knows, right? Yeah, it's so wild and volatile right now that, um, what's their name? Steam, the video game marketplace, sure has stopped accepting Bitcoin because it was getting out of hand. Like it, their, their business was getting crazy. So you can imagine like, oh, I tried buying you know, this game. It should be you know twenty dollars worth of Bitcoin, but by the time the transaction went through, it's actually worth a completely different amount. And if the user needed a refund because they didn't like the game, and you can imagine how that might get out of hand given the the volatility here. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe you know you know the the ICOs, the initial coin offerings, are like the new hotness for raising funds. Um, you know, we do have our Patreon, but maybe we should start an MTJC coin. That, you know, <laughs> get right now on this hot rocket for, for the low yeah. low price of. TBD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll close the podcast down and just go into like money trading, right? Yeah. Yeah. You and I would both get in trouble for doing that. You realize that, right? And and we, you know, <laughs> South Korea has, I think, come down really hard on on ICOs, and oh I, yeah, ads are looking real closely at it. The the SEC in the United States is looking, and they they shut down one of them, I think, is saying, nope, that's that's full on scam. That this is or this is a security. You can't do this. Hmm. And so it, it's uh, yeah. It, this is not financial advice. This is not investment advice. Uh, yeah. you're almost certainly going to do something wrong if you're listening to us <laughs> giving you this kind of advice. Go talk to a professional about it. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, just one last thing before we go. Um, remember we talked last week about those Echo Base jackets by Star for by Columbia, the Star Wars uh, Empire Strikes Back style jackets? Mm-hmm. They went on sale, what, I, th- I think it was Friday morning or Saturday morning, whatever, like at midnight. They sold out within a few hours. Oh. Yeah. So, sorry, Mark, you can't get one after all. Oh, well. <laughs> There's always eBay. Maybe you can pay with Bitcoin. Oh, Oh, you can yeah. pay two thousand dollars on eBay for these jackets. Yeah, no doubt. There's always always eBay is always an option, right? Anywho, I don't know. I wouldn't buy a jacket sight unseen, no matter what it was. Um, yeah, maybe I would buy a Star Wars jacket. Who am I kidding? Okay, I mean, so I'm people want to find you. On the... You didn't buy one of these jackets. Yeah, well, I, I did try, but I forgot. I, I missed the I missed the uh, thing, so I didn't even get the chance to see how uh, much they were. Right, they're harder to They're-er. get than a WWDC ticket, even, huh? I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, all of our fans of the show listen listen to the show and bought them. Oh. Actually, by the time the show came out they were sold out mm. uh anywho uh so hi man if people want to find you on the intro or wherever they look i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair and mark if people want to get in touch with you mark r at snapsoft.com all right and as i said at the top of the show my name is timitra i am t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine and we will talk to you guys next week bye 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 if you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. 
You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Alrighty then. So that's new and exciting. No? All sorts of topics. Uh, How about Alabama? Yeah, yeah, that was going to be right into politics. Yeah. <laughs> There's hope for the country after all. So the, what, the uh, the guy the, the guy that didn't want to get in got didn't get voted in? Yeah, so Alabama hasn't elected a Democrat in decades. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like 25 years. Thought, um, like yeah. I thought Clinton was uh, from Alabama. No, Arkansas. No, no, Arkansas. 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 Oh, okay, okay. Right. Yeah, Alabama is Ooh. one of the reddest of the red states for sure and for this to happen is uh pretty this is electing a senator senator yeah the replacement for sessions who's now the secretary uh the uh uh, attorney general oh i see right right so this Mm. is a special election to fill his spot right right yeah and there's only a hundred senators right so it's real important for the battle for one third of our our government uh governmentary well i guess it's not one third part of one third of our power yeah it's half of a third so i guess that's a sixth so are you senator for life in the united states no 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 six years oh six years okay mm-hmm. yeah here in canada i think you're senator for life or something like that mm-hmm. interesting i don't know if you i don't think we elect them i think they're appointed yeah i think it's the same sort of a same sort of idea as the sort of ro- original roman idea where uh, you know, people can start yelling at their phones if they like but the sort of idea is um you know we, once you're in you're in sort of thing right i think you're appointed by the uh, prime minister mm-hmm. yeah but what do you know i mean i guess depending how successful here you are there are guys like uh, Strom Thurmond who was in there for a huge amount of time. Yeah. He passed away in his 90s. Oh, really? yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but there is some hope to, to Mark's point. It, it's ever so slight glimmer of hope because, I mean, it's it was a very slim victory for a guy who you would think would handily lose, but, you know, he's got the, he, he was on the the correct team to sort of pitch above, uh, punch above his weight, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, but a one point uh, victory for a Democrat in Alabama is like a, a 50 point <laughs> victory anywhere else. Yeah. Like, I guess it's like Caesar crossing the Rubicon kind of thing. It's like, it doesn't seem that big, but it might be very momentous going here in the future. Right. Yeah. And it was also very confusing because, you know, just hearing people talk about Alabama controversy, I'm like, mm, not sure if you're talking about politics or you're talking about college football. Please explain before I make one of you angry. Right. <laughs> I think Al Franken was officially replaced, right? Did that already happen? I thought I saw a headline about that. Yeah. I think the uh, lieutenant governor from Minnesota was appointed in his spot. How does that work? So when a senator has to step down or leaves office for any reason, the governor of that state gets to appoint a temporary. Oh, temporary, yeah. Until they have an election. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, maybe if it's if it's close to the time that there was going to be an election anyway, they may just, you know, just wait till the regular election or they can do a special election uh, like they did in Alabama this time. I think it depends mm-hmm. on a case-by-case basis. So with Al Franken stepping down, uh, the governor of Minnesota appointed the lieutenant governor who currently was kind of considered to be the successor anyway to Al Franken. Uh, right. So she just took the job a little early, it looks like. I think who this is good for 
is uh, Google, Facebook, and Twitter, who were just getting torn up by Al Franken over the uh, uh, Russian interference via social media angle. Um, he's, you know, very intelligent senator. He's, uh, as a former comedian, witty and charismatic. And now they don't have that person making them look bad with these 10 second sound bites that show up on Twitter or CNN. Hmm. Not saying it's a good thing overall, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, for them, I'm like, oh, who, who wins in this situation given that he's gone? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? I don't know. What was the... Let's go on the other side of the forthcoming wall. Um, how was things going in Canada? We saw that Tim Cook and uh, Trudeau... Did you pound around? Picture. I don't know. Did you give him an iPhone 10 or something? What, what was <laughs> What was the deal with that picture? <laughs> I don't know. Let's go look. I thought they were they were speaking at some um, summit somewhere. Was it here? It wasn't here in Canada, was it? Or did Trudeau come down to the States and go for a coffee at the uh, visitor center? Oh, here it is here. Eight days ago. And what do you think Tim Cook is showing PM Justin? Trudeau on his iPhone 10 in this image. No idea. Yeah, they were at a fortune forum in China. Hmm. Oh, and then he, he tweeted out to him. Uh, and he tweeted back. That sounds pretty pretty chill and relaxed. It's uh, the winter season is coming. You're basking in the glory of um, having both the I have was it the Argonauts? The uh, oh no, the, the Toronto there. FC. Toronto FC. Oh the, yeah, the Argonauts won and the Toronto FC beat Seattle. I'd like to point out. I know it it, it should burn me, but it it really doesn't because somehow this, it doesn't. This, <laughs> and last year, Toronto was clearly the better team in both. We happened to have the championship for last year, which you can never yeah. be taken away. But Toronto must have had like 20 shots on goal and we had one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, one shootout or something, right? It, it was, yeah, it was like, man, we did not look like we were on the same class in that, that game. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the impression that Toronto was like really uh, poised to you know, strike back. Yeah. After being robbed. We was robbed. Seattle just needs to <laughs> do better next year to host the game in Seattle and I think the entire equation changes yeah, huge home yeah. crowd advantage hmm. well according to Randy Ritchie uh, Tim Cook and, and uh, Justin Trudeau talked about quantum computing really no joke <laughs> <laughs> have you guys never seen that thing where uh, Trudeau was at a, at a university right yeah and he was there doing a speech or whatever and it was he was there I guess in the physics department or computing department or whatever and somebody asked him about what he thought about quantum computing and uh, and so everybody, everybody kind of laughed and went, ah, ha, 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 right? And then Trudeau actually said, explained what quantum computing was. And did a decent job of it. As yeah. 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 So wait a minute, we didn't talk about this uh, Microsoft quantum language. No, we didn't. Yeah, I, I wimped out because I was like, all right, it seemed like an interesting topic. I tossed it in there before we had any content. And then I watched their like 10 minute tutorial video, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. half got it and said, all right, I, I, can't, I can't speak to this. <laughs> it's like, I barely know some of the stuff about quantum computing. I have zero clue after watching that 10 minute video as to how using their kit on a normal plain Jane non quantum computer hmm. lets you do interesting things. Yeah. Right? Like I, I was telling Tim, it felt like, oh, you've given me a transistor back in the 1940s or 50s, and I have no idea. I was like, oh, that's cool. What can I do with it? Like, I can't see the future, what, what it is. Yeah. Coming back to Tim Cook for a minute, uh, apparently he's had done four, 482 tweets, he's posted 196 videos, and he has 8.8. 4 million followers. Oh. <laughs> a few more than Barack Obama. Or maybe not. I don't oh, know. I thought Obama had like 60 million, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah, I think so. Because he has more than Trump. That was that was well, a big issue at one point. Really, yeah. it doesn't say on his Wikipedia page how many tweets he's done. Wonder if he gets that weird special.
special privilege thing that Greg mentioned, like how Apple's Twitter account is really weird. I get tweets, but you can't see the list of their tweets and other right. weird things. Who, Obama? Or, 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 or any of them, right? Like you mentioned Tim Cook's stuff and POTUS and everything. I wonder what sorts of stuff they have. Oh, we can see what POTUS is tweeting. And you can see what Barack Obama is tweeting. Yeah, you're right. He's got 97 million followers now. I think he's got more than more than he started with, or more than he ended with, I should say, when he left the office. I mean, there's a whole weird thing about that. John McCain was really close to meeting some milestone. I don't know what it is, like 3 million or something. And he mm-hmm. tweeted about it and people got very politically angry at him. So they started unfollowing him to make it, make it harder for him really? to reach. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know where he's at now, but... Yeah, nice. Oh, he's got his own website, Obama.org. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what, was, what you were talking about somebody about how did Trump get, why did Trump get elected in one particular market? And it was not so much, again, it was the, the people, I think that um, Clinton's team underestimated how much people didn't like her yeah. in some markets. I think... Yeah, that was part of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to hold out my opinion that all of these factors had to come into play for the election to turn out the way it did. And I think mm-hmm. um, it's not easy, but the very simple answer is to say, well, we need to get more people to vote, right? Yeah. We can't have yeah. such a small number of voters, which means every small little thing of like the Russians did this. Uh, people don't like Clinton from that. People believe crazy things over here. Like all of those things, they don't matter if you have, you know, instead of 30% people voting, you had 40 or 50% people voting. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the Electoral College changes that dynamic a bit because you can have, like happened, you can have millions of people voting in California and it ends up not really mattering because the election was decided in places like uh, Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania in and really the the rural areas of those states is where a lot of a lot of the, the the swing action happened sure no, no doubt it makes it more difficult than straight popular vote would yeah but I think it still stands that if you had you know a hundred percent of everyone eligible to vote actually voting um I think there's no chance the election turns out the way it did yeah well that's probably true yeah yeah I think probably a lot of people did stay home because they thought it was a done deal yeah yeah and, but I mean so but Alabama proved yesterday that that uh, you can make a difference right yeah yeah I would be a big fan of making election day a national holiday mm-hmm. make it easier for folks to do that sort of stuff of course I also think that the day after the Super Bowl Super Bowl Monday would be a holiday as well hmm. Mark, did you see that pickup set for you on uh, more than just code Slack? No. No, okay. All right. Never mind. Never mind. Use it for next week then. There's another Matthias um, link on another post for he did for his machine language website. But I don't <clears> see it at all on really? here. Yeah, that's weird. I, I definitely saw a link. Uh, when was that? I thought it was today. Yeah, what the hell, man? Where'd it go? Or maybe I pasted it in the wrong room. <laughs> did you put uh, it on, on Spotcast or something? <laughs> no. The hair? Did you send it directly to no. me? How did I see it? Oh, you know what I put? I put it in, uh, yeah, what an idiot. What an idiot. I put it in, in the private chat between Hami and myself. Oh. That would explain it. Yep. No wonder he didn't. That Mark guy, he never respects the links I send him. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even notice. I just saw at Mark pick. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Mark will take a look at that. Yeah. yeah. There, I just pasted it in the Slack there for you, Mark. Goddamn, Mark, uh, he doesn't spy on us enough. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't spy on you enough. No, you don't. No. <laughs> private channel. You're too honorable. Yeah. Custom layers and chloramel. Oh, okay. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.